Oh, Race for the Galaxy. That sounds pretty cool. What kind of uh, what kind of game is that? Um, well, it, it's wait. Hmm. It, it has cards there, okay, and I have a hand, but no, it's not. It's not a euro, but there's there's no spatial limit, so that's 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 not a Amerithrash, and it's not social enough to be a social game. I don't know. Huh. I guess it must just be a, a weirdo. Hello and welcome to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. I'm Jacob, and today I'm joined by Greg. Hey there. And we will be talking about the other games category in our board game glossary series. We're going to be talking about the games that don't really fit in all the other ones, but are still common enough in terms of mechanics that warrant a discussion. Right. Because, of course, no mechanic is new pretty much nowadays. It's like, true. Everything has been done before. It's just the different combination and the nuances between them that make our hobby the way it is. But before that, I went to Tabletop Day. You did. You, like, hosted our Tabletop Day activities. Yeah. We were at Labyrinth this weekend, and it was uh, Glenn Flaherty and I were there. Uh, he is Board Games and Bourbon. So mm. if you see him on YouTube, that that's him. And... Yeah, we hung out. We played some board games. We started off the day with some Arboretum. Oh, that's a game I haven't thought about in a while. Yeah, me neither. It's like someone there brought it up, and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll play. Yeah. Um, but I think that a lot of people forgot just how cutthroat the game was. Because mm. like they, they were yeah. throwing out a lot of the, the cards that other people needed, or like they weren't taking the ones that were out there that were clearly going to someone. Mm -hmm. And so, all in all, I actually managed to win because I starved a lot of other people out of their cards. Yep, that's it's the most cutthroat game about trees. Yeah. I think that, isn't that exactly what we said in our review back in the that day? I think that's exactly what we said. Yeah. And it's probably like one of the more cutthroat games that we actually enjoy playing. <laughs> right, yeah, because that's not <laughs> usually our style. But. Yeah, not at all. Well, congratulations on your victory. Thank you. Uh, of course, the rest of the day didn't really go that well. I mean, you know. In terms you're, of winning. You're still Jacob. Exactly. I'm still me. Uh, I still managed to lose a lot. Yeah. We actually sat down with Elizabeth Hargrave to play her game that's on Kickstarter, or I think just finished up their Kickstarter, Tussie Mussy. Tussie Mussy? Yes. All right. What is Tussie Mussy? In terms of a phrase, it is a Victorian phrase about flowers in some way to do with like the floral arrangements and things like that. Right. I don't know the exact definition, but that's the, uh, the, the gist of it. Yeah, the gist of it and what the game is about. So the game is about, uh, it's actually, it actually has some really fun mechanics in terms of it being a really simple game. You play it over three rounds and every round you draw two cards and you look at them. And one of these cards is going to go to one of your opponents, and the other card is going to stay with you. Okay. And what happens is you offer them both to your opponent, but one of them is face up and one of them is face down. So you just mm. slide that over mm. to them. It's like, all right, which one are you taking? You're taking the one that you know what it is that mm. is face up, or are you taking the one that's face down? Right. And then they have to judge, okay, are you showing the good one? Yep. Making me think that I'll believe that something better is underneath, but it's actually worse. Like yeah. there's so many oh, bluffing elements. Exactly. Yeah. So it's got a lot of those fun elements, and I think it's really well done. Like it's it's very simple, quick. It's just got like the scoring conditions are very easy to parse. Where it's like nothing is worth anything unless it has a heart on it. If it has a heart on it, it's worth a point. Otherwise, it's all based on the text. So similar to Fantasy Realms in that way, where it's just like if you have this 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 and this condition, this is met. 
That makes sense. The other nuance of it is that you're, of course, allowed to look at your face down cards right. one, once, you, once you get them in your thing. And all the cards that are face down are like your trophies mm-hmm. or keepsakes, I think they're called. And then all the fa- cards that are face up are your bouquet. Hmm. So when you're doing scoring, that actually comes into account because like whenever you take a face down card, that goes into your keepsakes. And so there's certain cards that say, like, you know, for every card in your bouquet or for every adjacent card that is in your bouquet, sure, yeah. uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then there are other cards that give you end of game effects like, oh, flip two of these cards, meaning switch, oh, wow. switch spots sure, in, sure. Into, into the other one. And you end the game with four cards in front of you, pretty much. That's it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Or you end the round with four cards in front of you. Uh-huh. And then, you know, you score up, you get the points, write them down and play another round and then another round. Okay, so three rounds total and then you're done? Yep, exactly. And the way the play goes is that you start by passing to your left. And then when the, the last person gives you the cards, and then you take the cards and now start going to the right. So it like almost snakes around. Okay. Yeah. So I think I get that. It sounds like something I'd have to see. Yeah. So it goes like grasp. pretty much left and uh, go left until you get to the first person again. And then it goes right when you're passing. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. No, now I got it. And it's just that kind of thing where you're you have to like really be be careful about what other people are there. It's like there are, there are a few things. Of course, we're playing with a designer, so she notices a lot of these things. Where it's like I put a card face up, and she's just like, "Yeah, I'm taking the face down one because the face up one, literally based on your things, which are all a showing, gives you no points." Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah. I oh. feel like you were at a disadvantage here. A little bit, but I mean, Elizabeth is great, and uh, and it it was fun to like play and talk a little bit about that so um yeah i I really enjoyed the game and i'm glad i backed it on kickstarter so i'll be getting that when it comes out well there you go it's like a really short little like it's it's one of those like really small uh deck games Mm -hmm. uh from button shy games they make like all these really tiny ones so gotcha all right well sounds appropriate then exactly and then leslie and hunter also actually came by and uh yeah it was a lot of fun to see them there and we got to play concordia Nice. And, of course, you know, one of Hunter's favorite games. Mm -hmm. And he wiped the floor with us. Well, I mean, that's only appropriate. Yeah, exactly. We played a four-player game. It was nice. And I completely messed up at the very beginning and just kept getting destroyed more and more and more. It it ended up with a point distribution pretty even throughout. It was, like, I think 10 or 15 points between each place. Okay. But... You know, that adds up to like, you know, me being about 50 points behind. Yeah, like exactly. The, I was uh, going to say, leader. this sounds similar to our uh, Ancient World game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of Ancient World, I actually got to play that last week on stream for anyone who um, uh, who joined on that. It was a lot of fun. I actually made the non-violent way work this time and won. Hey, nice. Luckily, it was because it was, I think I was against new players, so that's why I won. But You took advantage? Um, I mean, the thing is that it's interesting just how those small changes to gameplay in terms of like the city states really do very much dictate your strategy real oh so you guys played with the advanced side we played the city states immediately and which one did you have i had the one that you did which was the one that the um, expensive buildings cost less yep expensive building buildings cost less and um districts are cheap uh, districts are, are cheap so, so I, I went straight into districts I, okay. I got a district almost every round yeah yeah i just didn't take full enough advantage of that yeah i did a bunch of that and then i synergized really well with exploration mm-hmm. so i just started exploring things putting them in um you know s- stored stuff mm-hmm. and then pretty much i think i ended the game with three end of game cards oh, like wow. scoring cards that's a lot yeah and for all of them i actually had minus three off of it off of each one 
one for them being very expensive and mm-hmm. me being my thing. And then I had one for minus one for building from storage and minus one building in general. Sure. So like minus three for all those, I ended the game with a bunch of money and also just like built everything that I possibly could. I think I had like, well, I think I was at like 15 out of, out of 16 buildings or something like that. Dang. So it's a lot. Yeah, I had, uh, I had a lot. And uh, though it was actually really interesting because the scores were almost identical to when we played with Hunter and Leslie. Really? Yes. Same like spread? Like, I think it was, I had the exact same score. I think I had 84, which was a score that Leslie had. Mm-hmm. And Will, who was playing the same faction that Hunter did, had 74 instead of 75. Huh. Yeah. So yeah. uncanny. It was really uncanny because I was just like, this is like almost the exact same score. Right. Like, yeah, if yeah. only you had been playing the faction that Leslie had been playing. Yeah, exactly. Which is actually good because like if it was just those that faction that was just objectively the most true. powerful, true, true. that would be a little bit of a problem. That's a good point. Um, but I think that this time also like Will did like do a lot more attacking of like my Titan, for example, because I kept putting Ambrosia on it. So he was just like, mm, I need Ambrosia, so I'm going like, to you yeah. know, kill that and, and take your Ambrosia. Which, I mean, was good in some, some ways and did definitely helped me in some things. But like, you know, I had to spend more Ambrosia like, right. uh, on others because he took my two-star Titan when like, the first three stars were coming up. So it's mm. like, oh, now I get a three-star heading in my face. So Yeah, got to do something about that. Yeah, but I think all in all, it was a lot of fun. And also, at some point last week, I, I actually got to play Cat Lady. Okay. What is Cat Lady? It that doesn't a, sound like a game. That sounds like a thing that you turn into. Yeah. Well, they turn the thing that you turn into into a game. Okay. All right. Pretty much you're collecting cats. Sounds like my kind of game. You have a three by three grid of cards. And in there you have cats. The cats are, of course, picky eaters. So they will only eat certain types of food, milk, fish, or meat. Okay. You on your turn will take a token, like the cat token pretty much, and put it next to either one row or column. And take that entire row or column into your hand or into your tableau. Hmm. Yep. Okay. And then you will you'll keep doing this. Everyone gets a turn, takes those cards. You have like food cubes to make it a little bit easier to actually put on the cats and see like whether or not you have everything that you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are a few other things like you know there's costumes. So like if you ha- you need to have at least one costume, otherwise you get negative two points. Okay. But the person who has the most costumes gets like plus six. And then there's also catnip, which when you get more than two of them, I believe, like you will start getting more points per card that you get. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really just like a set collection game. The, the one twist really is that you can't take the row or column that the cat is currently on. Okay. So like if you have a three by three grid, if it's in the top left hand corner, the last person took the column there. Oh, okay. You can't All right. take I that it. column I again. You have to actually move it to somewhere else unless you use the spray bottle, which then lets you just <laughs> keep it there. Exactly. So it, it was pretty fun. I enjoyed it. Anna beat us, of course. Sure. I mean, yeah, cat yeah. lady. Mm-hmm. And then I also got to play uh, a game, actually one of Glenn's favorites, which is Sailing Towards Osiris. Okay. Never heard of it. It's a, it's a fun game in the vein of like, you're, you're pretty much just going through and building monuments around, along the river as the pharaoh's boat goes through and and like you have like different sections of like when he goes through like different parts of the river and then those are the areas that you want to focus on because you get extra extra points for building in there Hmm. Uh, but you also get extra points for building three in a row on the same bank pretty much or four in one season section that kind of stuff 
So it, it's just a fun little resource management building game that it goes into the the minutia of it, where it's just like you know you you have to make sure to have like the right resources, and then like there's like a very limited amount of resources and all, and a limited number of workers that you can use, and like you have to sometimes you have to use different resources to get more workers and and things like that. So gotcha. Yeah, it was it was fun. I I did enjoy it. I can see why it's his favorite. It's it's a pretty good game. All right. Well, I mean, it sounds like you had a a very productive and busy international tabletop day. I did. I was really glad to go out to Labyrinth. Of course, shout out to them. Thanks for having me, as always. And uh, if you're in D.C., check out Labyrinth. They're the best game store around. So here we go. As we approach the conclusion of our sort of board game glossary series, we find ourselves with other games maybe you know you could call them miscellaneous games games that don't fit into the three categories which we had previously established those being euro amerithrash or social games and you know that doesn't mean they're not established games actually the game that we thought of really like made us realize that this would be an important episode was dominion classic gateway game very popular very well regarded been around a long time but when you kind of stop to think about it, it doesn't really fit with, you know, what we've talked about. You know, you've got some action economy, certainly, but mm-hmm. you don't have any resource management to speak of. You've got your hands, but really that's just a different form of action economy. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and so, you know, we kind of thought, well, what are some other, other games? Mm-hmm. And so that's why we're doing this episode to wrap up, is to hit some of those games, some of those themes, some of those mechanics, actually, pretty commonly, mm-hmm. that don't necessarily fit in with the other categories we talked about. Yeah, a lot of these games are actually very much defined by their mechanics. Mm-hmm. So when you look at a game like Dominion, that is a deck building game. And that is the quintessential deck building game. Mm-hmm. Like Its entire thing is deck building right it is like that's a mechanic and that's the mechanic yeah the game doesn't really do much past that it is just put more cards in your deck draw those cards use those cards that's it and uh, there are actually a large number of these deck building games of course Mm -hmm. you've got your mystic veils your ascensions even some combinations things like trains Uh, (laughs) there there are a lot of these different kinds of games that use this kind of mechanic where it's like you are trying to build in this case a deck that that's like in front of you it's sort of similar to some of the euro stuff when you're building like your area and you're you're building your capacity and that kind of thing but it's it's pretty impermanent Mm -hmm. that being said there are games that are pretty similar to this that i think they almost blur the lines as you're going across the spectrum and you go from like the the pure deck building to a game where that, like you're building just your hand, mm-hmm. and that's Fantasy Realm. So you're you're using the game; it's a lot shorter, but you're just building what you have in your hand and scoring that at the end of the game. And then from there, you go and you start building like tableaus that are a little bit more permanent out on on the field. So a game like Viceroy, and they have very similar mechanics for the most part of just what you're doing and the fact that like the main point of the game is to build out what you have like what's in front of you what's in your deck that kind of stuff and that's that's just how you win the game right and i think you know when i think about the quintessential tableau builder what i think of is machikoro yeah and that's another game where you have a lot of similarities you know you've got resource management in a very streamlined form in the form of you've got your coins you've got 
certainly action economy in terms of uh, having to maximize the impact of each of your roles. And both of those have a high degree of overlap with what we had previously described as a Euro game. Mm -hmm. But in sensibility, as well as in mechanics, there's differences. You know, it lacks that third component that we had talked about being sort of the point salad. You know, with Machikoro, there's a very clear endpoint. You've built all of X thing. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. you're looking to optimize and do the best at one thing that then turns into just a myriad of point scoring opportunities. You are trying to optimize, but it's all in service of a very specific goal. So there's lots of, I guess I would say, fluidity in a lot of these games, which I think, again, gets back to some of those points that we've talked about where the utility of some of these terms is questionable. Why say Euro when you could just focus on the mechanical level differences that more accurately, more minutely define a game like one of these things that is not a Euro according to what we've come up with, but can still hit some of those same, you know, scratch some of those same itches, I guess. Mm-hmm. And some of the other games that are like similar to that, that even go into a little bit more of the resource management stuff, things like Alien Artifacts, where you're collecting the different resources and you're still building up. There's a lot more to do with that. And also Century, Spice Road or Golem Edition, whichever one you'd like, they have a similar kind of aspect where you're pretty much just building up like what you've got in front of you and getting like sort of resources but again, I don't think it fully fits into the, the Euro game format that we discussed. Right, exactly. So, you know, you've got your deck builders, tableau builders kind of on the, the fringes there. Maybe even a step removed from that, you've got something like your tile laying games. So mm-hmm. games that we like to call spatial reasoning games. Yeah. So your personal favorite, Jacob, Carcassonne. Yeah. You know, there's no resources to speak of. Mm-hmm. You've got your scoring points along a single track throughout the game. and yeah, you're optimizing what you're doing on your single turn, but there's no decision-making about which actions to take. You're always going to take the same action, and it's always going to be to place one tile down, and all of the game, all of the strategy, all of the really deep mm-hmm. gameplay oh, yeah. happens on this one level of understanding relationships between adjacent tiles. Exactly, and and honestly, these this is one of my favorite types of games in general. Like Carcassonne is definitely one of my top games. It's a game that I've played a ton of and I really enjoy it. But also like there are a lot of other spatial reasoning tile placement games that I really enjoy. Things like anything in the Castles of Mad King Ludwig franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, definitely. You've got castles, you've got palaces, you've got between two castles. All of them have that really strong just tiling mechanic where you're just trying to build like the best thing, the most efficient castle or the one that's going to appeal to the king the most and all that and i just really really enjoy those i love finding the like you know oh i wonder if i would be able to do like you know take over this farm if i do this 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 and this in carcassonne or in palaces okay i can you know place this room that'll block this person here and like give me a few more turns to before the moat like goes and floods the rest of my doorways and right. like that so there's a lot of fun in that and and i just feel like it's a really puzzly type of game but in a flat like space like just laying down the tiles but i also think the tiling games and these spatial games are a little bit deeper than this and they go further than just placing tiles on the table like something like lanterns you've also got the pick up and deliver track laying games mm-hmm. yeah like token placements almost so you got yeah. paris connection i think mm-hmm. is a great one and i think ticket to ride 
is sort of another game in this area where all of what you're concerned with is getting from A to B, you know, finding routes that are efficient and really everything circles around that mechanic of acquiring trains and using them to lay down trains on the tracks. Exactly. And I think a lot of train games actually fall into this category because, well, that's what you're doing for the most part. Like you, you have some money and that kind of stuff, and maybe a few stock things, but for the most part, you are building out the railroad and trying to get it to be as efficient as possible. And you have to like do it and like connect the things that, that you need to connect while blocking your, your opponents and things like that. And there's really that spatial reasoning is extremely important in all of these games. You need to know where your opponents are going. You need to know where you want to go and like what are, is still available. So in Carcassonne, knowing sort of at least the mix of the tiles and like how many that like certain tiles are rare and you see a lot of them out on the board, you're probably not going to get one of those. Right. So like knowing that and planning for that and, and being able to space yourself out based on that is, is definitely a big thing. Mm -hmm. For sure. And it's actually really funny to me that you mentioned that some of these games are puzzly because mm -hmm. another sort of type of game that doesn't really fit within these previously established umbrellas is what I would call puzzle games. Yeah. So not, not puzzles, obviously, yeah. although you know, puzzles are great, but I'm thinking games like Exit, Unlock, Time Stories, games where the entirety of gameplay revolves around this mystery. Yeah. And, you know, obviously that sort of falls on a spectrum where with time stories, you've got a little bit more contrivance to it. You know, you've got stats and you're going places and doing things. But at mm -hmm. the heart of each of these games is a puzzle. Yeah. And unlike a game like Alchemists, mm -hmm. say, which I would say has a puzzle with worker placement and resource management themes built around that. There we go. These are just just puzzle. Mm -hmm. I mean, they really elevate it to a level that I think a game like Alchemist doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it puts it front and center. I mean, in Alchemist, you've got a lot of the other things about like, you know, gathering the resources, putting your workers all around the university, getting the, the ingredients, publishing your papers, etc., etc. These games and like a game like Rising 5, for example, almost exclusively just guess on the puzzle and like work through the puzzle. And that can be a lot of fun. I do very much enjoy it. Time Stories is definitely one of the things that we haven't played in a while. We got to get back to it. We want to get back to it. Yeah. yeah. And so these kinds of games really do just focus on this one aspect rather than adding a ton more. And they right. do it well, but it is just they're defined by this aspect. Right. Yeah. And I think, again, you know, not to not to beat a dead horse or whatever PETA wants me to say instead of that. But a lot of this does come back to how do you define a game? And these games are defined by their mechanics mm -hmm. rather than by these more high concept nebulously defined terms that represent bundles almost. I, I think I actually like this term that I've stumbled upon here. Mm -hmm. Bundles of mechanics that happen to have a name given to them. Yeah. And, you know, no way is right or wrong. And I mean, I also think this whole naming convention within board games, if it doesn't have like one specific mechanism that is the front and center of the game, it's hard to define like what it would be. As I think Hunter was talking about this last last week in a podcast when he was talking about his reorganization of, of the, the game mm -hmm. games closet, where it's like he tried to do it by mechanic almost, but there's so much bleed over. But there are those games that are just like this is a deck builder. He even mentioned that like you know oh he has an, a specific area just for deck builders, right? Because well they are very clearly defined. And I, if I were to do the same thing, I would also have a similar place for 
tiling games. Right. It would just be boom, right there, tiling games. And I think a lot of that sort of gets into the sensibility of different types of games. You know, you do have some, whether it's a mechanic or uh, mm-hmm. themes, where games very much stand on their own when mm-hmm. they have that thing. Deck Builder is a perfect example. Obviously, you've got a theme there. You might have some sort of compelling fringe mechanics. Mystic Veil, I think, has some really yeah. unique things that we've talked about before and takes the space to new heights. Mm-hmm. And these types of mechanics, for whatever reason, just seem to stand a little better on their own. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily require as many other mechanics to be brought in in order to yeah. balance them out and make them compelling mm-hmm. uh, and round them out, I guess I would say. Exactly. I mean, they're a very solid base for all these other games. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them borrow mechanics from them, like whether it's hand building or still placing tiles, doing a puzzle, something like that to put into a game. But these are almost like distilled. To yeah, like the, that's a great word. Yeah, they're, they're distilled to like their, their, um, their root almost. The root is not one of these. <laughs> you know, you can even see in this in a genre like where games get smashed together, where it's like you've got trains. That's tiling and deck building. And uh, yeah, they were like, hmm, these are both two, you know, relatively iconic concepts, mechanics. Let's see what both of them together look like. Yeah. But uh, some of the, the most prominent games are really just purely these mechanics. You've got... Carcassonne, I'm going to keep going back to it, but it's really just laying down tiles and sometimes putting down a meeple. The rules when you're, pl- when you're teaching Carcassonne are exceedingly simple. Mm-hmm. You draw a tile, you place that tile, and you have a chance to place a meeple on a feature in that tile. You play until the last tile is placed. There's the game. Mm-hmm. And it's still one of the most compelling games out there. Like I think it's stood the test of time very much so. And it didn't really need much else. Yeah. So those obviously aren't the only other games. You know, that's not everything that doesn't fit into our sort of narrowly defined buckets. Yeah, there's Um, too many. Yeah, exactly. There's too many. There's too many board games. But I think that's something to be celebrated. You know, this idea that you've got so many different board games all across this spectrum of mechanics and lengths and difficulty curves and themes Mm -hmm. uh, and the fact that we can have these sorts of conversations even if we sort of go back and forth about oh how useful is this or oh what does that mean exactly the fact that people can have these types of conversations and find a shared community Mm -hmm. in discussing them i think is at the end of the day the best part about board games and these concepts i completely agree so that's I mean, that's a, a discussion of other games, such as mm-hmm. they are, and that, that sort of brings us to a conclusion of this board game glossary series. You know, if you enjoyed this and, and <laughs> found yourself wondering, what the hell are they talking about when we referenced, you know, Euros and Amerithrash games, feel free to check out those other episodes. They're all within the last 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can listen to our thoughts on each of those concepts, how we break them out into what their fundamental mechanics are. Uh, and if you've stuck with us through the entire series thank you you know hopefully you've enjoyed this content hopefully you found it somewhat enlightening uh Mm -hmm. and if you haven't then come yell at us on social media exactly (laughs) you know we'd love to hear points counterpoints uh you know it's all it's all part of that conversation so thanks for joining us for the board game class thank you for joining us for this episode of dragon's demise we hope that you enjoyed it This week we were at Origins Game Fair, and we had a lot of fun. We did a lot of cool interviews, 
and you can check those out on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash dragonsandsminds. We got to talk to Eric Royce, the designer of Spirit Island, as well as Emerson Matsuchi, the designer of the Century series of games, and Isaac Childress, the designer of Gloomhaven and head of Cephal Affair games. There's also a lot of other cool content, so if you're interested, definitely check that out on our YouTube channel. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Dragon's Demise.